Welcome to the State of the NL West podcast. This is the freeway entrance. I'm Dusty Baker. Derek Johnson will not be merging along with me this week. He, uh, with football season starting, he is on the call there. He should be back, though, next week as we continue to cover the happenings around the NL West. Starting first with our fielder's choice, we're going to go straight into the most dominant team that we can think of from a personal perspective here. So if you look at the L.A. Dodgers, the way that they have been playing over the last month, it's just truly remarkable where they stand right now with history at the moment they at the time of recording have an 86 and 37 record that is a 699 percentage so they're on course on pace right now for a 113 wins now the record in MLB history is set by the Seattle Mariners that was in 2001 they had 116 wins so the Dodgers at a pace of three wins shy of that but a personal record of course that they set last year was 106 wins so they're on pace right now to beat that by seven games it's been an incredible dominant run that they've had so far and even with the Brewers at least somewhat stifling them uh, in the slightest on the road in Milwaukee the Dodgers came back and won two of three against Milwaukee at home so LA continuing to just do what they've done all season long seven of their last 10 games they've won uh, kind of sticking to that 700 personal record there with the win percentage so thinking back outside of the sport of baseball to another sport in which I at least had from a personal perspective seen dominant similar to what I had seen of course with the Dodgers this year I have to go all the way back to 2009. That would be the good old Boise State Broncos football team. Back in the days of Kellen Moore behind center. And uh, you could go all the way around to the, some of the roster that they had that was just a standout roster of Jerron Johnson, J.C. Percy, Winston Venable in the defensive side of the ball. They really took over. Georgia Loca was also a dominant star. But offensively, there's a couple NFL names that were aboard that team. That was Doug Martin, if you remember the good old muscle hamster for the Las Vegas Raiders, of course, back in the day, uh, that would be the Oakland Raiders he played for. Also, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that drafted him. Uh, in addition to that, there was Titus Young, who was a second-round pick by the Detroit Lions. Uh, things did not end too well for him. And, of course, Austin Pettis, who was with the San Francisco 49ers for a while. Uh, a couple other names that were pretty fun to throw out there. Jeremy Avery, who was one of the rushing leaders on that team at the time. DJ Harper. Uh, this team was just a dominant force throughout the season, though, in 09. They ended up taking down my own team who I didn't even know at the time was my own school TCU uh, the number three team in the country both teams were undefeated it was kind of a shame actually that those two had to go head-to-head that year because of the great seasons they both had but when you talk about a completely dominant season where it seemed like nobody could take down a team similar to what the Dodgers are experiencing right now I just have to think back to the Boise State Broncos of the 2009 squad that was a fun squad for me to watch because I grew up a BSU fan uh, before ultimately they led me to my eventual school which was the team they took down that year tcu okay going straight into our action here with the high tide headlines we don't have a lot as we start to near the end of the regular season here we are heading into september next week Uh, but before we do that there is a major headline and it does come out of that la system uh the dodgers have been doing great this year and that is primarily without their best starter at the start of the year their opening day starter walker bueller has been shut down for the majority of the season and now he will be shut down for all of 2023. He did get Tommy John surgery. It was successful, but he will be out for 
for the remainder of this season and all of next season. So the next time that we are reportedly going to see Walker Buehler will be in 2024. That is a huge loss for a Dodgers rotation that obviously is getting older. Clayton Kershaw looks like this might be his last season. If it's not this year, it will probably be next year as well. And uh, you have to worry about the health of some of these guys like Dustin May, who's just coming back, of course, from his injury that was Tommy John as well. Uh, so not great news for L.A. there. It may be interesting now to monitor what that rotation will look like as we head into the playoffs this year. Will Tony Gonsolin possibly be their number two? Uh, will Tyler Anderson be their number four, number three? It's going to all depend on Clayton Kershaw, his health. Of course, Julio Arias is going to have to stay healthy as we go down the stretch here, too. Uh, but this is a big loss for L.A., even though they've been playing such great baseball down the road. One positive thing for the Dodgers has been the production for Max Muncy over the last month or so. And in turn, they are now rewarding him for at least showing signs of improvement uh, to a degree. So when you look over the last month for Max Muncy, very different story for him as opposed to what you've seen from him throughout the regular season. Over the last month, he has a 267, 353, 581 slash line. That's good for seven home runs over the last month. He has 18 RBIs driven in, six doubles on top of that. So those are more of the Max Muncy numbers that we're familiar with and used to. Of course, he's an on-base freak when he's at his peak. Uh, you have to attribute, obviously, the elbow injury from last year as a key reason why he started out so slowly. But here we are now with Max Muncy improving. The Dodgers give him a new contract here. They have extended him through the 2023 season he will receive 13.5 million dollars that year and on top of that he also has a club option in 2024 for 10 million dollars pretty safe route for both the both sides if you will Muncie, of course if he starts out slowly like he did this season well it's going to be hard to find a payday and on the other end if he continues to hit the way he has the Dodgers get him for only 13.5 mil that's a pretty decent deal on both sides the San Diego Padres have just had a rough go of it lately of course, Fernando Tatis Jr., the news of him, as we reported last week, him having the 80-game suspension for PEDs, things are just going downhill for the organization since then. They've had to call up Jose Castillo because Yu Darvish is now on leave, at least for the time being. Jose Castillo, just a little insight on him. He is broken back into the big leagues. He's a southpaw, and he was with the Friars in 2018. He went 38 and a third innings as a rookie at a 3-2-9 ERA. His strikeout percentage is probably what's the most eye-popping. He had a 34.7% strikeout rate, averaged only 8% on walk. So he at least has a decent fastball. It's 95 miles per hour on average. He is left-handed hitters struggling against him. At that time, they went 133-220, a 133-slash line. That is permanent right there as a dominant side, uh, if you will, to see what he was able to at least cater for the organization at that time. He looks like he's going to be a bullpen piece for them moving forward. So the Padres making that move, but outside of that, not a lot to positively report here. Number one, Fernando Tatis Jr. after the news, they have decided that they will get the shoulder surgery for Tatis that he's been needing for at least a year and a half. Of course, he injured it last season. He had to end up moving to the outfield from shortstop to try and preserve that shoulder. His numbers didn't falter too much offensively, but of course this year, 
He had injured himself with his wrist from his motorcycle accident. Then he gets the PED suspension. They decide this is the time to get the shoulder surgery as he will also be out for the first 42 games of 2023. Some other news for them. They're going to have to have a closer by committee at this point with Josh Hader struggling the way that he has so far. It has been ugly. We're going to get more to that in just a second, but I just got to go over the numbers ever since he joined the Padres. They are really, really the ugliest numbers that you will see from a guy that they trusted to be their man in the ninth inning. I'm still baffled by the fact that they gave up all the pieces they did in order to get this guy. But Josh Hader over the last month, he has an 8.53 ERA. He is a whip over two. His K per nine is over 14. So you look at that, he's at least getting swings and misses, but the man cannot locate. He's done all this in just six and the third innings pitched. He also has a two and one record. The reason why is he's blown two games in the process that ended up the Padres would pull out and win. Uh, he does have 10 strikeouts, of course. That's the reason why he has that K per nine so high, but Josh Hader has not looked good. They will go to a closer by committee. Something else to keep in mind here, they did also sign Brandon Kinsler, who at one point was a closer with the Marlins. They have signed him to a minor league deal. And then they also designated Nomar Mazzara for assignment. Remember the old Texas Ranger that everybody thought would be a 30 home run hundred RBI type guy. He just has not panned out accordingly was a top prospect for a while there and then fell off. The Padres took a chance. He didn't really do much for them. The San Francisco giants, not a lot to report on them. Brandon Bell goes back to the IL. It seems like he can't stay healthy at all this season. So he is back on the shelf. Once again, they also did make a move though. That is a classic Farhan Zaidi signing here. I kind of like the move. They signed Ken Giles to a minor league deal. The Seattle Mariners had done that at the start of the year. He really didn't get much of an opportunity before getting injured once again. So the giants take a little bit of a chance on him. And remember, they also did the same thing with Trevor Rosenthal before they ultimately decided to dish him off to Milwaukee. So going to be intriguing to watch what happens there with Ken Giles, if anything. The Arizona Diamondbacks also taking a little flyer here. They have decided to retain Reyes Maranta, who the Dodgers DFA'd. The Diamondbacks pop on there. They're trying to find a low caliber guy that maybe they can at least spend to get some innings out of him. Uh, in turn, they outright Paul Fry in the process, but claiming Reyes Maranta, they at least get a major league arm that at times has shown some success on the hill. But nothing else with the Diamondbacks that really pops out. And for the Rockies, you talk about popping out. How about Antonio Senzatella? He tears his ACL. Pretty terrible news for a rotation that already lacks depth. The Rockies just can't seem to figure it out no matter what direction you look at with them. It is a struggle for them moving forward. So not a lot to report on for those bottom two teams. You kind of envision they're just trying to kind of cruise along as the season progresses to an end for them as they transition really to this 2023 season. Of course, the Diamondbacks a little more hopeful, of course, calling up some of their you know, younger names that uh, are producing at this level, Stone Garrett, Jake McCarthy, they've produced so far. So uh, at least something to keep an eye on with them. The Rockies, as we are every week, we can never seem to give them any credit because they don't deserve it, quite frankly. Okay, moving on, cruising the coast here. It's pretty easy to break down where we're at right now. The Dodgers have that first place lead by 19 and a half games. That magic number continues to drop off before we even hit the month of September. And the Padres don't seem to have any answer whatsoever as the Dodgers continue to just run away with this division. When you look at the state of the NL West, it's basically at this time, the Dodgers have an obvious playoff spot 
set up for them with the 86 wins. They could lose every game from this point on. And it feels like they'd still have a wild card spot. That obviously isn't going to happen. And if they go 500, they're still going to end up winning over 95 games, which is just absolutely mind boggling to think about as for the Padres. Holy cow. What a drop off that they have had. They are four and six in their last 10 games. They are 10 games over 500, but when you look at the playoff race, things are not shaping up to be good for them. They, at this time, have the six seed. That is not comfortable when you look at the teams that are trying to push them, a.k.a. how about the Milwaukee Brewers trying to push the Padres at this time in that race right now, only a game back at this moment. And you have to wonder, the Brewers with better pitching and the Padres with just a really, really rough scenario in terms of not being able to capitalize on the fact that Juan Soto and Josh Bell have made their appearance to San Diego. It's hard to say what the direction is for this team towards and down the end of this stretch here. They're going to have to play the Dodgers several more times. They still have a couple matchups with the San Francisco Giants accordingly. It is not a pretty time if I'm a Padres fan feeling realistic here, wondering what what direction can this team go? Can they finish out strong? Are they going to secure this wild card spot? Uh, they obviously have to be factoring in the fact that the Braves and the Phillies are also clearly better teams right now on paper, and they're clearly showing out on the diamond as well. These Phillies are playing without Bryce Harper. When he comes back, my goodness, watch out for Philadelphia. Uh, the Padres are just looking terrible, and they're not winning games they should. And quite frankly, this is a disaster scenario that the Padres, I don't think, and their fans envisioned that Fernando Tatis Jr. would be out and that they wouldn't produce accordingly. So curious to see what happens with them as they have one more month of the season to go where they face a lot of the NL West where they've been struggling. Uh, they've got to win some games here. The pitching's got to show up. It's It's been a rough go for them. And if you look at some of the numbers for the Padres just over the last month, Blake Snell has been their best pitcher. And with a 338 ERA, three quality starts, that's a pretty good month for him. Outside of him, though, there is not really a starter that has particularly stood out. You Darvish has looked okay. You Darvish with four quality starts, that's solid. But a 378 ERA, he's allowed his fair share of runs. And he's a one in three record over the last month as well in 33 and a third innings pitch. So he hasn't been able to get the run support he's needed. He hasn't pitched particularly great accordingly. I mentioned Josh Hader in the bullpen hasn't looked good. There's not a lot of depth in the rotation. I'm very concerned for this Padres team, who also relies heavily on Joe Musgrove, many believing that's their best pitcher in the rotation. It's not great when your best pitcher is a 3.94 ERA and a whip over 1.1. And so that's a little concerning. He's 0-3 over the last month. And then you have Sean Mania, who's just been terrible, a 5.88 ERA. Uh, he's got the K for 9 up, but the whip is at 1.35. It's just something that I'm not buying into. Mike Clevenger may actually be the pitcher that's been the most consistent, a 3.71 ERA. He, he doesn't get any swings and misses, but at least he gets the quality starts. He's got three of them over the last month. I'm just not confident in this Padres pitching. When you look at the lineup, it's basically been the story of Manny Machado and Machado only at this time. He has been far in between the only player on this team that actually deserved to be an all-star of course you had jay cronenworth who hadn't been good uh in the second half of the season here machado a 291 358 555 slash line pretty impressive there six home runs 11 doubles in the process uh, but i'm curious to see what happens for the rest of this team juan soto hasn't 
at least hit at this time particularly great. He has gotten on base, though. Juan Soto has gotten on base at a 448 rate. That is pretty impressive. His slugging percentage at 443. So he's just not getting the pitches to see it and drive it. Jerks and Profar had a good couple of weeks there, and then he's fallen off. Trent Grisham continues to look terrible. It makes you wonder why did they trade Esteuri Ruiz. Brandon Drury has been terrible since he came over to San Diego. He has a 227 average over the last month, a 283 on-base percentage. That's good for a 402 slugging percentage. And Josh Bell has been miserable. He's at a 183 average, a 284 on-base percentage, and a 333 slugging percentage. He has been terrible for the Padres since he came over. Not a pretty look for them at this time. Moving down the division to the San Francisco Giants. At the day of recording, they are one game under 500. Now, I had said a week ago I felt confident this team had a chance to make it to the playoffs. They had swept the Pirates. They looked really good in their series there, but it is the Pirates, and there's a reason behind that. The Giants have looked terrible since then, and they are not winning games they should. They are basically setting themselves up to be a, a team that is out of the playoff running here. They are seeing their numbers dwindle quickly. I'm, I'm concerned. As just a general fan of baseball, I don't know what Giants fans are seeing, if they're seeing a team that they still believe in at this time. I personally don't. I think that they are seeing their window shutting, closing, whatever you want to call it. That window is not open the way that they, of course, thought it might be even a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and it's crazy because this season, that's exactly what's happening. You you start to see these teams one by one file in and out of the potential wild card scenario. Right now, the Giants are out of this running. It looks like it's going to be a battle between the Brewers and the Padres for that final wild card slot. And, and where the Giants factor right now, I mean, it's not a confidence for me when you see how far back they are. I mean, they're five and a half back of the Padres in the wild card. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but considering the Giants can't seem to find a way to get in the win column and get over 500, that, that's not good. The Brewers have been playing better baseball of late. They at least matched up okay with the Dodgers. And the Giants, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, I'm not convinced that they're going to do anything against the Twins on the road. Uh, I'm not feeling great about them. 61-62. It's, it's kind of a rough stretch for them. So we'll see if they can prove me wrong. Last week I was buying them. They still do have a plus 13 run differential at this time, but uh, you know, the Brewers plus 23, they look like they are the better team in the rotation. And it looks like the Brewers might have just a little more offense to outdo the giants. And the question is, do the Brewers have that with the Padres in mind? So it looks to me like the Phillies and the Braves, you can almost lock them down now as playoff teams. There's just a massive gap in between what you see from the Braves and Phillies, as opposed to the Padres Brewers and the giants. And then get what, guess what? The team that we're going to go to next, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are the best of the worst. They are 10 and a half back of the lowest wild card spot. And behind the Dodgers, well, it's uh, it's a little bit bigger of a gap. Obviously, we know that that's not going to happen. Uh, elimination coming up pretty quickly here. They're 30 games back of the L.A. Dodgers here. So expect the elimination from the division to happen here within the next month. It's going to happen pretty quickly, probably within the next couple of weeks here as well. A 455 win percentage. The Diamondbacks, at this point, they're playing just for pride. But I want to point out one guy that has just really blown the cover off the baseball lately. And that would be none other than their first baseman, Christian Walker, who many wanted to be traded. Christian Walker, over the last month, has hit 297, a 354 on base percentage, 
He is a 594 slugging. We've seen his baseball Zavon page just red all over and starting to show out. He has eight home runs, six doubles. Uh, Josh Rojas has looked pretty good too. 299 average, a 378 on base percentage. He doesn't slug as much, only 200, uh, two bombs over the last month, but six stolen bases, six doubles. He's got 29 hits over the last month. Those two look really good. I mentioned Jake McCarthy. I like what I see from him. Seven steals over the last month. Also a 299 average he's almost got polar very very similar numbers to that of rojas with 374 on base slugging a little bit lower though only one home run over the last month and uh then you have the fallout the fallout for the diamondbacks not many other guys showing out i think stone garrett needs an opportunity i'm a little concerned about Cattell Marte, who just can't seem to put it together at all this season uh, it's a concern moving forward for me because that's supposed to be the staple of your offense are we seeing Christian Walker possibly becoming the guy that's supposed to be the heart and soul of that lineup? I don't know, but he looks really good. 30 home runs on the year, 72 RBIs. He has definitely been a staple in that lineup. And finally, we go to our beloved Colorado Rockies. And by beloved, I mean the team that just drives me crazy. Brandon Rogers has looked really good. Brandon Rogers has a 362 average over the last month. Love what I've seen from him. Randall Gritchick has actually looked really good at 337 average uh, on base percentage of 370 and a slugging at 526. So those two have been pretty solid. Ryan McMahon has been solid as well. 291, 357, and a 512 over the last month. But then the lineup starting to fall off a little bit. Iglesias hits for average, but no power. I really liked what I saw from Ella Harris Montero, but it looks like Montero has basically been given an opportunity and he's starting to lose that opportunity as we speak. He does hit pretty well though. I, I, I like this kid. I believe that he's got some decent value. I want to see Winton Bernard get more opportunities. The story of him is just so fun. Uh, and he's had a hit in all but two games at his major league level since the call up, of course. So intrigued by Winton Bernard, a 314 average. They've got guys that can hit in this lineup. They really do. Charlie Blackman has not looked as good. Jonathan Daza has his injury that has sent him to the IL. Uh, but overall, I mean, you know, Chris Bryant was their major investment that can't stay healthy. It, it seems like the guy that you counted on outside of Bryant was CJ Crone, and he's arguably the worst hitter right now in their lineup over the last month. A 186, 225, 320 is his slash line. That is really, really bad. He's had major splits on the road versus home, way better at home. And then you look at the pitching, and the pitching is just miserable. Kyle Freeland has no business being in an MLB rotation with the way that he's been pitching. Uh, Carlos Estevez, though, I got to say, as a reliever, has looked pretty dang good. A .73 ERA, .73 whip, and a 7.3 K per nine. While the K per nine leaves less than to be desired, four holds over the last month, pretty solid. Uh, at least intriguing option, despite the fact that Daniel Bard was somehow extended, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, that, that still blows my mind. The Rockies splitting two with the Texas Rangers, but then taking two against the Giants. That was big for them after getting swept by the Cardinals and then losing two of three from the Diamondbacks as well. There's not a lot to talk about with this Rockies team. They're not fun to watch, uh, but maybe one guy to keep an eye on. How about Denelson Lamette? Lamette might be the intriguing one. He got a hold on August the 23rd against the Texas Rangers, had two strikeouts. Uh, he allowed one run. Two games ago, two games prior to the Giants, allowed one run, and then he took the loss, of course, against the St. Louis Cardinals on the road. But I'm curious to see what happens with Lamette here, because down the stretch, he looks like he could be a guy that at least could give them some depth in the bullpen. I still want to see him as a starter. I still feel like there's something something in the tank there, but 
the Rockies may or may not know more than we do about that. Either way, not a lot of intrigue here for the Colorado Rockies as we wrap up this covering and cruising the coast here for the NOS. So you look over it one final time, Dodgers completely dominating the Padres really struggling. The Giants also struggling. Diamondbacks enjoy their youth while you can. And the Rockies continue to scratch your head because that's all we really do with this team in 2022. And with that, we have arrived at our freeway exit on behalf of just baseball. I'm Dusty Baker, Derek Johnson, Derek Johnson will join us coming up next week, hopefully with a football season here around the corner. Our schedules won't be crazy. We can pull this off day in, day out. Uh, this is what we happens to us when we work in sports. You know, a lot of stuff comes up. But here on the State of the NL West, we will continue to give you the best updated news possible here on this podcast. For Just Baseball, I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on The Best Coast.